Good morning, everyone. This is James with 77 Financial Group. You're listening to 15 Minutes of Finance, where in the next 15 minutes, I'm going to get you excited about investing. Stay tuned. Okay, guys, happy Tuesday. We got a lot going on today. I'm going to cover some news. I'm going to cover some headlines. And then I actually want to tell you guys a story uh, and sort of wrap it into uh, today's topics a little bit. Uh, it was kind of heavy on my heart actually throughout the night. So I want to share it with you guys so you guys can take the nugget of knowledge and go use it uh, and be better off than other investors who aren't listening to 15 Minutes of Finance. Okay, but before that, we got the quote of the day. And today I'm actually pulling some knowledge from a previous employer and now really good friend. Uh, his name is Steve Bull. He's one of the best um, investment managers I've seen in action in a long time. And um, his company is Varus Capital Partners, if you guys want to go look up at their website. But Steve's been doing this for many years, probably close to 30 years now. But Steve believes, let me read this quote for you. Steve believes that while planning considerations are important in reaching financial goals, it is equally as important, if not more important, to focus on the rate of return on invested capital. Okay, so I'll jump into that later. That has a lot to do with the story I want to tell you guys. Um, but okay, let's just jump right into the news, right? So European equity markets are lower while Asian indexes closed the day mixed. U.S. futures are pointing to a flat open coming off new record highs for the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ. That's super exciting. It was the NASDAQ's first record high since February 12th, and investors have rotated back to big technology and consumer directionary stocks consumer discretionary stocks in the past few weeks. The yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury is holding around 1.6 ahead of the Federal Reserve's two-day meeting, which we talked about yesterday. Bitcoin is regaining some of last week's losses, which priced around $55,000 this morning. Investors are diving into a full buffet of earnings this morning with companies like BP, Eli Lilly, and UPS, among others, reporting results. Shares of UPS are up 8% in the pre-market trading as the worldwide shipper reported a 27% quarterly rise in revenue. Now, Tesla, one of my favorite companies that I'm not invested in, by the way, Tesla, which reported a blowout first quarter later yesterday, topping analyst estimates for net income, sales, and deliveries, for some reason is not getting the same reception from investors. Now, to make light of it, maybe they don't like the fact that he smoked weed with Joe Rogan. Maybe they don't like the fact that he's going to host Saturday Night Live. Or maybe it's the fact that there's some issues with the Model 7, I think, the Model S vehicle. I don't know what the problem is. It always seems to be that whenever Tesla has issues, it's because Elon is doing something fun and actually living his life, even though he's a complete weirdo. Um, I dislike that, but I also get that they, the investors probably want their CEO to be more straight edge than Elon Musk actually is. So I can kind of get it. Um, but the Model S vehicles, which are about six months behind schedule, that's probably more so the reason why investors aren't so excited about it. Um, or it could just be that they've set expectations incredibly high. I mean, Tesla is, they shot through the roof these last five years. And although I don't know how high the, the stock can actually go, I firmly believe in the good things that uh, all of Elon Musk's companies are going to do. We got Tesla, we got SpaceX, we got the boring company. Um, I, I just, I believe in him. I think he's just trying to be innovative and 
at that same time, it's going to create new opportunities for everybody, new jobs, new income, uh, new creations. It's just going to open up the world for most people. Um, okay, let's get into today's headlines real quick. So shares of GameStop are up 8% in pre-market trading after the video game retailer said it sold 3.5 million additional shares, raising just about half a billion dollars to speed up the company's e-commerce transformation. So Honestly, if you guys would have asked me three years ago, what's GameStop going to be doing? I would have said it was in the dirt. I would have said there's no way they're going to be able to make the transition. It seemed that the CEO and the owners of the company, they didn't want to make the change. You know, they were overcharging for video games, overcharging for plushies that you could get on Amazon for, you know, half the price. But it looks like they're going to make the transition to the online world. So we'll see how that goes for them. I don't know why anyone would buy something from GameStop versus Amazon or or Amazon, Amazon, um, directly from a wholesaler. I, I just don't know what GameStop really offers people. Um, also, if you guys remember a couple weeks ago, we spoke about Archegos Capital. That was the company run by Bill Wang, who he was shorting pretty much everything. Um, and he couldn't meet the margin calls in March due to a bad bet on Viacom CBS. So in that situation, I don't think he was shorting it. I think he was trying to either do calls or he was just putting a ton of money into it. So the way margin calls work, guys, and without, without breaking your brains here, it's just a different type of investment account where the investment bank says, hey, you know what, you're good for it. We'll give you some extra money. So whether that be, I think it's up to 50%. That you have to have in the account, but I think they'll front you up to 200%. So if you have $100,000 and you're like, hey, I kind of want to invest $200,000, they'll do it for you. I mean, there's rules, but there's, and then there's certain things that go into it, but that does exist. And so what this is saying, right, when Archegos had to go um, answer for their poor behavior, they're saying, hey, we are not able to really make this margin call, actually. So they did a bad investment choice, and they're not able to answer the margin call from the investment bank. I think it's like $10 billion <laughs> that they're missing. So that's definitely not good. Uh, Lyft will sell its self-driving car unit to Woven Planet, a subsidiary of Toyota, for just about $550 million. That's kind of exciting because Toyota has a history of just doing really great automation with vehicles. And so Lyft is going to be... They're trying to be at the forefront of this self-driving vehicle thing, but it's obviously, guys, that would be an incredible, incredible advancement in technology. So it's going to take time. Um, excited to see where that goes, though. Uh, and J.P. Morgan Chase is reportedly preparing to offer an activity or an actively managed Bitcoin fund to wealth to its wealthiest clients. So let me read this little paragraph for you guys about J.P. Morgan and a little a little brief explanation, I guess. There was no investment bank five years ago who thought Bitcoin was a good investment. I can't think of a single one that said, yeah, that's where we should all put our money. And there's good reason for it, but a lot of it is, a lot of it is because the old people think they know what they're doing and the young people are dumb. That's 100% where the initial um, resentment came in. And, And you guys will hear it in this paragraph. So let me read this for you. JP Morgan Chase is reportedly preparing to offer an actively managed Bitcoin fund to its wealthiest clients. The move would be quite a turnaround for America's biggest bank. Just four years ago, CEO Jamie Dillon called Bitcoin a dangerous fraud. Although he has since walked that back, saying that last year, this is simply not my cup of tea, JP Morgan will join an already crowded field of, of legacy banks and payment who are allowing their clients to invest in cryptocurrencies. Wow. Um, okay, so let me just 
jump into my story then that I wanted to tell you guys because this this is kind of what triggered it when I was reading this at about four <laughs> four a.m. this morning. The old people in the investment world, and I don't I don't mean to be you know blunt and, and brash, but they do not think that the young people are smart. I think the average age of a financial advisor is like fifty eight years old. It's somewhere between fifty and sixty. The average age. The average age. So that must mean that there are people who are in their 70s and 80s. You can do this job till you die. So there's no real need to retire. And I know for a fact that in my experience, a majority of the head advisors are between 60 and 80 years old that I've had to deal with. That's that's just how it was. And I've been around hundreds of advisors at this, at this point. So... Whenever I hear that stuff, it just, it gets me a little angry because they're saying one that I'm, that I'm not valuable, you know, that what they do in the industry is they try to tie younger advisors to older advisors, even when the younger advisors do all the work. It's a pretty, it's a pretty gnarly industry to be honest. And it's, it's a little sad, but my story I wanted to tell you about is, so I had a client the other day call me and I put him in a really simple portfolio. He got an inheritance. It was like $200,000 and he's older. He's had this $200,000 for about, I think 10 years now. And it's just been sitting in the bank. If he would have given me that money or even just put it in the market, he could have doubled it, if not more. So very, very sad to hear that. Um, but that's fine. Cause he's, we're on it now. We're taking care of it now. But I told him, like I tell all my clients, and if, I, if an advisor does not tell you this, I would run away. But always get a second opinion. If it's not just from a professional, at least get it from someone who you trust. Uh, do your own research. Do something. So I basically told him, I said, hey, look, if I'm going to do this, this, and this with your money, you know, it's not going to be that difficult for me. My normal fee is 1% or whatever it is that I told him. Um, I'm going to charge you half, right? I'm going to just give you half of my normal fee because this isn't going to be difficult for me. And he's like, oh, okay, well, that's very kind. And then I said, well, hold on a minute. Don't, you know, take me at my word here still. You need to go get a second opinion. And so he did. He went and got a second opinion. And this is what irks me. So he went to an older advisor at his bank, right? And the bank person said, oh, well, this is a fine portfolio. And this is exactly what they, t- they teach you to do at these big banks, at these, at these industries. It's a sales tactic. You know, don't, don't have... Um, disrespect for the other advisor, but show the client that there's always something better. And guys, there isn't always something better, but there's always something different. So what the client did was he showed him the two, you know, the two funds I wanted to put him in. And the guy said, Oh, well, you know what? You know, let me show you, um, you, you should be in some bonds. You should be in some bonds. And I had him in, in equity, just full equity. And He's like, oh, well, bonds, you know, why should I be in bonds? And the guy's answer, no joke, the advisor's answer, and this is how you know people are dumb, is he said, well, when stocks aren't doing good, bonds do good. And so you want something going up in your portfolio while something's going down. And on the surface, guys, that makes sense. But if you think about your portfolio as a whole, right, just think, think about it as like a, uh, like, a, uh, like a piece of pie, okay, a piece of pie. If you've got eight pieces of pie and seven of those pieces of pie all look really fresh and there's one really bad one, right? So that's the part of your portfolio that, that's not giving you a return. It's negative. Obviously, you're probably suspect of the whole pie. That's exactly how you should look at your portfolios for the most part. Bonds fit certain people, but in this situation, what this guy wanted, bonds didn't fit. He wanted his portfolio to earn return. 
right? He didn't necessarily worry about immediate safety or volatility. He was like, listen, I'm going to have this account for the next 10, 20 years. I kind of want to leave something for my kids. Like what is a aggressive but not speculative investment? And so I put him in that. I tried to explain to him that bonds, they, they act inversely, not always, but a lot of the time to the stock market. And so if you have 70% uh, stock and 30% bonds, only 70% of your portfolio is going to go up. And it's not, that's not rule of thumb, but that's just the general idea. And so that's the way these, and obviously the client was like, oh, that makes sense. I don't know why he would do that. Well, I can tell you why he did that because he's smart and I'm dumb and you're dumb and they're smart. That's exactly how they think. So just remember that when you guys are dealing with these professionals, make sure you have a fiduciary and not someone who works at a bank and has to deal with suitability. Okay, sorry. I get a little, I get a little heated about all that. Um, but so to tie that back to the JP Morgan chase thing is that these people don't want to try new things. Now, my opinion on crypto, I'm not all for it and I'm not all against it. I'm still sort of summing up my opinions. I do believe that it's an interesting investment, but at the end of the day, I don't know what's going to happen with it because Bitcoin does run out. It, there is a limited amount of Bitcoin. Um, but so these people, they don't want there to be new investments. They want to stick with the old. They want to make money the way they've made money. And they want it. They want you to give them your money and shut up. That's what they want. Give me your money, shut up and leave me alone. And then once a year, when you guys meet with them, they'll look at your portfolio 15 minutes before the meeting and they'll be like, oh, thank God they did 8%. Which if you would have had someone who was looking at it more often, you could have done better or you could have lost less. It just, it just depends. Um, a lot of these advisors are very much about the next client. How do I get the next client? And it hurts my hurts my heart a little bit when I see that they're that these banks are now jumping on the cryptocurrency game, um, just trying to get the squeeze the last bit of money they can out of these people because they're going to be able to tell these retail investors, you guys, hey, look, we do crypto now. Like, look, now I'm an expert in crypto when they haven't even liked it for the last 10, 15 years, and now all of a sudden they're experts. Um, just keep that in mind, guys. Everybody everybody in the industry is motivated by something, and I'm motivated by honesty and doing what's right. Uh, and I can say that truthfully because I've been in the Wolf of Wall Street situation. I've worked for those big banks, and I left those big banks. I left them because I didn't like what they were doing. Uh, and I had, to go, I had to go home and sleep at night, and it was hard for me. So... Um, I'm here to give you guys transparent fiduciary information. Uh, it's by no means advice. Everybody's situation is different, but I'm here to give you guys the news as I see it and give you some, uh, some honest opinions from someone who's in the industry. All right, guys, that's it for today. I hope you learned something. I hope you liked today's episode. Like and share this. Give it to somebody who needs it. And yeah, as always, guys, reach me at james at 77financialgroup.com. If you have any questions, I'll try to cover them. All right, guys, that's it. As always, invest early, invest often. Have a great day.